Hey everyone, welcome back to the Retro Break podcast. I've just come back from Play Expo Blackpool and I've got an insane amount of footage to sift through, but I thought while everything's still fresh in my mind, a good idea to kick things off with this Play Expo series of content would be to start with a podcast episode where I'm basically going to discuss what my weekend was like, how it was going around filming the entire show, and some of the cool things that I got up to and some of the cool people that I met while I was there as well. So I actually got three press passes for the event from my friend Chris, who runs Games You Loved and works for Numskull. He was really kind to give them to me again, along with my friends Jack and Callum, who came along to help out with the filming for the show. And before we actually got to the event itself, which was hosted in the Norbreck Hotel in Blackpool, I'd actually heard a lot of horror stories about that place from some of my fellow retro content creators and friends in the community. So I was a little bit unsure of where we should actually book the hotel room, but we did end up going for the Norbreck Hotel in the end, and maybe I'll touch upon that a bit later on, but yeah, some of those horror stories were true. But overall though, it wasn't really as bad as I was expecting, and the show itself was just incredible, as you'll see in the full video when that comes out. Maybe this week, maybe next week, maybe the week after, it really depends how much time I've got to sift through about six hours of footage, which I'm hoping to cut down into about ten minutes. So I've definitely got my work cut out for me. Anyway, we actually travelled up to Blackpool on the Friday night after work, so we got there at about 7 o'clock, and we basically just went for food and then checked into our room. It was a little bit strange when we arrived. There was actually a really big queue at the reception desk to get the ticket for the hotel room, which I've never really seen before. It felt more like queuing up for an airport, and I could tell that not everyone was there for the show either. There was just a lot of people who I think had just come to Blackpool for a holiday as well, which was kind of unexpected for me. I thought that the event would have booked out the hotel itself, but it was a really big hotel so it kind of made sense that there was other people there some of the people did look a bit confused on the day as well. I overheard some people questioning where all these people were coming from because one of the talk panels was put on in a different room down the corridor and you had to walk through the main area where everyone gets their breakfast. So there were quite a few confused locals while this show was on. And before we ended the first night, we did actually go down to check out the halls where the event was actually on. Of course, we couldn't actually go inside, but we could peek through the door. So I did get a kind of sneak peek and early pre view and what the trading hall looked like and a sneak peek through the doors where you get your tickets to the event as well so I managed to catch a glimpse of just some of the arcade machines that were on display too and while I was peering through the door I was a little bit disappointed at the size of the show but it was quite deceiving because when we got there on the second day what was actually in the hall was a lot more than what I saw on the first night so any worries that I had about the event being kind of small and a little bit underwhelming were quickly put to rest when we actually walked into the show itself. So before we got into the show, we of course had to queue up in the morning to get our press passes. And while I was queuing up, I got to speak to a lot of people in the queue and introduce myself to them. And I got speaking to a father and his son, and his son was showing me his game room and I was showing him mine. And it was all really exciting. It was great to meet people before the show like that. And I handed him one of my business cards. So hopefully he's gone and checked out the channel because that was a great start to the day. And then when we got our tickets, it was just before the show actually opened. So we went back to the hotel room for a bit. And I was really glad that we did get the hotel at the centre in the end because we could easily go back there throughout the day and charge up the cameras, transfer the footage if the SD card ran out, which unfortunately it did at a very inopportune moment, which I was very upset about. But luckily it was right near the end anyway. So I was actually recording the homebrew panel and the card actually ran out just before the panel ended. So I recorded the rest of it on my phone. And that is actually up on YouTube right now over on my gameplay channel if you want to check out that homebrew panel. It was a really interesting 
interesting talk and I actually got a shout out from the guy on the stage as well. But anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. That was later on in the day. So, so first of all, after we got the tickets, we went back to the hotel room, made sure all the cameras were charged up, cleared out all the SD cards and that sort of thing. And then we finally entered the show. And like I said, from peering through the window, it didn't really look like there was that much going on inside. But when we actually got in there, I was just completely overwhelmed. I didn't even know where to start. So I think we just walked around for about an hour, just trying to pick out what we wanted to film first. I didn't touch on something as well, actually. I did also have a notebook with me where, where I was writing a few ideas down the night before because we went to sit in the pub area and had a drink and I was coming up with ideas for the video. And one of them was that we were going to spend the first day kind of as a, a reconnaissance kind of thing. So I would go around checking out all of the consoles and all of the arcade cabinets and write down which ones I wanted to go back to and film more of on the second day. So I really enjoyed that kind of overview on the first day. And Jack and Callum went around with their cameras and did an overview of the whole event as well. So hopefully I can piece some of that footage together to make it look like a really exciting show with loads of stuff going on. And just after we'd locked around all that, the first thing on the main stage was just about to begin, and that was the Donkey Konga. I thought it was going to be a competition, but it was more just like showing off the game. So I actually went up onto the stage as the first person to go up there in the whole event, and I played through a song on Donkey Konga. Unfortunately, the console wasn't quite set up properly, and there was a little bit of lag because of the sound from the game actually coming out of the speakers on the stage rather than the TV. But I think I did okay, considering that it wasn't really in time with what I was doing so I had to kind of readjust my brain because obviously I've played a lot of Donkey Kong in the past but I had to quickly readjust my thinking in terms of the timing but I think I did alright I think in, I think people enjoyed watching it was which was the main thing obviously and there was loads of other really cool stuff on the stage throughout the weekend as well. I really enjoyed watching John Romero play Doom against some fans, and he beat everyone as well, as expected, but that was really fun to watch. There was also an 80s breakdance event with Quang, and of course Jason Bradbury from, uh, well, known from The Gadget Show, but he does all sorts of things on Twitch and YouTube now, along with Trista Bites. So it was just great that all of that stuff was going on at the stage all day, well, for both days really, and it was just great to have that always in the background, you can always just look up at it while you're playing on the consoles or playing on the arcade machines. It was a really well put on event, I think, and there was loads to do. There was also some really other cool stuff in that first hall as well. There was a load of indie developers showing off some of their games and some homebrew developers as well, which I had fantastic conversations with. In fact, Alistair, who makes Flea and Tapeworm on the NES, actually bumped into me the night before at about one o'clock in the morning walking through the hotel. So I was really glad to catch up with him before the show itself even started. And he actually had his play date with him as well, and he let me play on that for a bit too, which was really cool, and I can't wait to get my hands on my own one so I can try making some games for it. So having people like that at the show showing off their homebrew games, there was also um, Wave Games showing off all their Dreamcast published titles as well, that was really cool to see. And I've got a bit of footage of all that as well, and of course, like I said, they were also on the homebrew panel, so definitely go and check that out if you want to know more about what they do. So while I was doing this homebrew panel, while I was recording it, I got all my tripod set out really nice. Nicely. I was doing nice zoom-ins of all the people while they were talking, but then I noticed that the battery was about to die, so I got my friend Jack to run back to the hotel room and try and get me a replacement battery so it didn't die during the shoot, but the card for the hotel room had stopped working, so, so he actually came back about 20 minutes later and he was just in time because the battery had about 5% left by the time he got back, so I missed a little bit of the talk in the middle, and then like I said the SD card was filling up because obviously I'm capturing really high quality 4K footage 
and by the end of the hour panel the card only had a few megabytes left and I was really getting worried because I could see it flashing in the corner and I could see the timer hitting one minute and then zero minutes and it cut off and there was about two minutes left on the panel so I recorded the rest on my phone but thankfully most of it got fully recorded and then straight after that I went back to the hotel to transfer all of the footage off and check it to make sure it had recorded properly so I'm really glad that I got to record most of it and maybe in the future I can actually record some of these panels in a more official manner for actually replay events as well that would be really cool so Maybe that's something that will happen in the future. I'll see how well the video does once I upload it. And then another thing, of course, which was really exciting to me, and I pretty much spent the most of the first day doing that, was actually going into the trading hall, which was through the corridor into another room on the side. And there was loads of great retro gaming stalls there. Quite possibly the best amount of retro stalls and some of the best items that I've seen since an event since COVID, honestly. It was really, really good. And I spent way too much money on Alan's retro gaming stall. I spent about £400 on that one in the end. But I picked up some really, really exciting and rare Sega Saturn shooters, which I'm really excited to show off in my pickups video from the event. I've been playing them on the TV behind me and I've been having so much fun with them. You really have no idea how much it means to me to finally be able to afford to buy some of these ultra rare games that I've honestly been eyeing up since I was a kid. So, it's kind of surreal to just be able to sit here in the game room and actually play things like Batsugun and Battle Garega these days. It's literally, if if I'd have told myself 10 years ago that I could have been doing this, that I could have been able to find a job that would allow me to afford to buy these games that have always been way out of reach for many, many years, I would not have even believed that that would have even been a possibility in my life. So I'm so thankful to where I am today. And the fact that I could get a press pass to go to an event like this as well. It's just mind-blowing, honestly. And I take it for granted, but I really shouldn't because it's something I've been working up to for about the past 10, 15 years to be able to actually go to shows in a professional fashion like this and actually do a proper video for them. So I really, really hope that the final product does them justice. I took my best camera I could as long with my, my new lens as well. And I also tried my hand at doing some other things for other people as well. So I did an interview with Numskull about their quarter arcade cabinets and, you know, why I enjoy going to things like Play Expo and a bit about what I do. So hopefully that'll be up on their YouTube channel soon as well. I really enjoyed doing that interview. It was with Chris from Games You Love who got me the tickets in the first place. He's really easy to talk to and I think it came out really well. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they do for that. Something else super exciting, which happened just after the panel, the homebrew panel, is that one of my fans from YouTube actually tracked me down. He's been trying to do it for a long time now, because if you're watching on YouTube, you can see it behind me there. But if you're not, then I'll explain what it is. Ages ago, when I did my Trackmania video in 2019 or 2020, something like that, he sent me a DM to say that he had a really rare piece of merchandise from when Trackmania Sunrise came out, which was a game that came out in 2005, I believe, for the the PC and he went to an event at the time and they were handing out these custom Trackmania license plates and he'd been meaning to give it to me for a long time because he knows how much of a huge fan I am of the series and he finally tracked me down at one of these shows and gave it to me and I was just over the moon excited and I think he could tell just how excited I was to receive this and like I said to him and like I've shown on the camera and on YouTube and on Reddit I basically posted it everywhere and probably Instagram as well that I'll have it in the background on all of my videos it's taking pride of place on the wall behind me and even though I spent so much money on so many really rare games from the show I honestly think that that is the most exciting thing that came
came out of this whole event was getting that Trackmania number plate. It's something I'd wanted for a long time and I'm so happy that it's finally in my possession. And, you know, it's gone to a really good home as well and I really, really appreciate that. And it was great to meet so many other fans and friends of the show as well. Meeting some people in person. Loads of people came up to me and asked me to take selfies as well and discussed about their game collecting journey and things like that. It was just so much fun to meet so many people who watch me online but have never had the chance to interact with in person so that was really really fun and I handed out quite a few of my business cards as well. So when the first day ended I had a pretty good idea of what stuff I wanted to go back and film the day after and then we decided to go out for a walk to see if we could end up at the promenade in Blackpool but it was a lot further away than we expected and on the way there it was a pretty nice walk and we got to check out some of the Blackpool illuminations but on the way back there was a freak storm and we got absolutely soaked and when we got back to the hotel room we had to hang up all our clothes on the uh, on the rail above the shower curtain so that we could try and dry them off. Unfortunately, everything was completely soaked through, but the radiators kicked in in the morning, so I left my clothes on there and they ended up drying out. But I had to, I had to wear one of my friend's spare set of jeans the next day because every piece of clothing that we had, even my shoes, were just completely soaked through. And on the second night, we actually had the bright idea of taking the tram into town instead, which was a lot better, but I'll get back to that in just a bit. So we... What did we do on the second day? We went for breakfast first and then we went back into the show and I spent the first half of that show on the second day playing most of the arcade machines that I wanted to get footage for when I was doing my reconnaissance on the first day. So I've got loads of really, really great footage of all the different arcade machines and a few of the really rare and expensive consoles that were on display as well on the left, just by the entrance. There were some really exciting things there. There was a PCFX with a game that I really enjoyed playing. I ended up playing that game for about half an hour but I still don't know what it's called. I did find it on eBay and the game itself is going for about £1,700. So it's not exactly something that I'll ever pick up for myself soon. So I was really glad to be able to play that. There was some other stuff there that I was really excited to play. There was the Sharp X68000, which is a Japanese home computer that I've always wanted to get for my own. So I was really glad to play one in person. Of course, I also played on things like the Atari Jaguar was there as well. The Apple Pippin, which is Apple's uh, kind of console, and it had Marathon on there, which is the game that Bungie made before Halo. Unfortunately, the controller was a little bit broken and I couldn't really walk up very easily. And that was kind of a running theme with a lot of the consoles here, especially the way that they were hooked up to the TVs. It wasn't quite all hooked up correctly and I think they probably should have hired someone to do a sweep of the event to make sure that everything was working properly before it was open to the public. A lot of the stuff seemed to have kind of broken 50 and 60 hertz modes where the screens would be kind of bouncing up and down. Some of the screens weren't tuned properly, some of them were set in widescreen mode even though the game was 4x3 so it was being crushed down a bit. Other games were being presented in widescreen on flat screen TVs which should have been in 4x3. Some of the CRTs weren't working properly, a few of the controllers had buttons that you couldn't really press down and stuff like that, so it was a little bit disappointing in terms of the quality of the consoles that were on display, even though the games and the consoles themselves were really interesting. And unfortunately the same kind of goes for the arcade machines as well. There was quite a few that were either out of order or certain things on the arcade machine itself weren't really working as expected. So I was really looking forward to playing Space Harrier and getting footage for that. But unfortunately the hydraulics in the system were broken so I could only play it stationary. Luckily though Outrun next to it was working fully. It was a full proper working arcade machine. But on the other side there was an afterburner machine which just wasn't even switched on at all. So I don't really know why that one was there if it hadn't 
hadn't been working at all for the entire two days. Maybe it was just to show off the, the cabinet because it does look really cool. But that was a little bit disappointing. But overall, still really happy with what they had on show. Something else that was really exciting that happened on the second day for me, I got to have a bit of one-on-one -on -one time with John Romero, the creator of Doom. I didn't record any of this, I didn't really feel like asking him to do that because he looked a bit tired after talking to people non-stop all day, but I had a really specific question that I wanted to ask him. I wanted to ask him whether he'd had any involvement with the Game Boy Color version of Daikatana, which of course was a port of his PC game at the time. And yeah, he said he did have quite a lot to do with it actually. He spoke with the company in Japan to help them get an idea of how the game was supposed to be presented for the Game Boy, because obviously you couldn't really do a full proper 3D FPS game for the Game Boy. So they decided to go with the top-down Zelda-style approach. And when they started working on it, they sent him the original script, which had been translated from English from Japanese to English, and when he got that script, it barely made any sense, so he basically rewrote the entire thing to try and make it more in line with the PC game and make sure that the story flowed together and that it all worked well enough on the Game Boy, and he sent all that back to the company in Japan to finish up the project. So that was a really nice little insight, and I don't really know whether that's ever been shared anywhere online before, so... It's a shame I didn't capture it on video or get any footage from it, but I was just really happy to talk to him and for him to be able to explain that to me. And then I also did my interview with Numskull, which I touched on earlier, so hopefully that comes out soon and you can see what I was doing with them. And then the rest of the show was just me going back into the hall and playing on all of the different systems until the show closed, basically. And I really, really enjoyed my time there. After that, we went out to Coral Island, which is a really big arcade amusement centre in Blackpool. And I had a great time there as well, playing on all the arcade machines and all of the claw machines that are there. And then on the way home on Monday, we stopped off at a few game shops in Birmingham, which I'll save for a future episode because I got some interesting pickups from there as well. So hope you enjoyed this podcast. Hope that kind of gave you an idea of some of the behind the scenes stuff that goes into filming a video like this. Really hope you're looking forward to the full thing. It should be out in a few weeks' time, hopefully. There is a lot to go through. Like I said, they managed to film about six hours of footage in the end, and I need to cut that down into about ten minutes. So I've definitely got my work cut out, but I really had a fantastic time, and I can't wait to do it all over again very soon. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. Really hope you enjoyed this podcast, and I'll speak to you all again soon. Goodbye.